I want to take this moment and talk about your wine. Yeah, I know everybody loves to have their dinner wine or their after-dinner wine or just the wine-down-the-evening type wine. Life is complicated enough. Your wine shouldn't be. And Drex Cellars, they'll make it easy. Join the Drex Cellars Wine Club. Get monthly deliveries direct to your door. Discover new selections each month. And if you like, you can also build a business while sharing your experience. Drex Cellars' revolutionary approach puts 100% focus on you. We focus on exploration, discovery, and education. Each month, our experts select a great premium wine from our wineries around the globe. Each selection is accompanied by our own tasting notes, detailing who, how, where each wine was crafted, and your satisfaction is guaranteed. With each shipment, we help you refine your palate and identify regions and varieties that you love. And when you do find that perfect wine, we're the only club that provides its members the opportunity to stock up at club cost. Our goal is to help you fill your own cellar with wine that you love, wine that you're confident about, that you're proud of, and most importantly, that you're excited to share with your friends. The Direct Cellars Wine Promise. We are confident in our selection. After all, our success depends upon our members' continued happiness. However, should you find any of our selections to arrive damaged or simply not meet your fancy for any reason at all, simply let us know and we'll send you a replacement bottle free of charge. That's the 100% satisfaction guaranteed from Direct Sellers. You can find out more by contacting me at Tim at RadioMVP.com or you can go to our Facebook page and click on the Shop Now button. Hey, this is Tim. Hey, I just want to first thank you for the download and remind you, please go to iTunes and rate and review our podcast. Uh, Just search for Radio MVP, subscribe and rate and review us. It will help us in our ranking and for those who are looking for podcasts for Northeast Ohio sports and Anthony and I would greatly appreciate your help. So with that in mind, I thank you again, and now we'll get ready for episode 12, a great episode coming up your way of Radio MVP Sports Podcast, starting right now. Hi everyone, thanks for the download. This is Tim along with Anthony. This is episode 12 of Radio MVP Sports Podcast. And a lot's gone on since the last we talked. The meltdown in Cleveland with the Cavaliers has begun. Uh, The drama that continues in LeBron James' career never ceases to not exist. And uh, it rose its ugly head uh, about a week ago with Kyrie Irving's demand. For a trade. We're going to get into that. Plus the Cleveland Indians. Last we talked they were. I believe three games above 500. They are now 10 games above 500. So we're going to get Anthony's take on that. And we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to talk about the trade deadline coming up. And the latest rumor target. Of the Cleveland Indians. In the trade talks. In Major League Baseball. So first and foremost. From Canfield, Ohio. Let me bring in my good friend. Anthony Kepley. How you doing, Anthony? Boy, I'm doing a lot better than I was last week at this time. After a uh, collapse in San Francisco and me waving my white towel, I'm doing a lot better now. Uh, a seven-game win streak will 
brighten the spirits up. As, as, you can tell on my, as you can tell on my Facebook page, I have officially started the magic number countdown. As, as I was asked by a female yesterday, she said, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, it's magic number. It's time to get serious now. There you go. So, it is. Hey, so we'll you know, touch on that in a little bit. We will. We've got a lot of good stuff to get into. Let's start with the Cavs real quick. Um, I've been talking to a lot of different people about this in the last uh, week since it came out. And obviously the news is Kyrie Irving has asked the Cavaliers for a trade. His reasoning behind it is that he believes that he should be the focus po point of the, the basketball team. He is going. To, he wants to be the number one player on the team instead of uh, sharing the lim limelight with uh, LeBron James. This is a uh, scenario that we see in sports today more than we've seen in the past, uh, especially in basketball. Basketball is a lot, and we've mentioned this before. It's it's a player's league. First and foremost, the players do have more leverage and control over their contracts and where they play and how. And uh, what coaches that play for and stuff like that. We've seen it uh, bore out more than once, especially in the last three years since the return of LeBron James to uh, Cleveland. And I don't understand how a player would give up the opportunity to play for a championship for his own needs of ego. Now, with that in mind, I will say this. He's 25 years old. We've all been, I mean, I've been 25 years old before, you know? And I remember the egos that we all have. Now, also, you got to remember that Kyrie Irving has one of the probably names going right now in the NBA. That's not, you know, uh, a either LeBron James or a member of the Warriors. And... He his his shoe for the Nike is one of the top selling shoes on the market, and his brand with Uncle Drew is huge, and it has been part of his uh, his his coming out and in a sense as a uh, as a major star in the NBA, and I think all that has to do with this trade demand more than just a basketball thing where he wants the ball in his hands more because. You look at the stats this past year. He has he led the team in scoring. He took more shots than LeBron James. He you know the difference is the what you have here with the with with Irving is Irving is a player who likes to create and have the ball in his hand, and that's the exact same thing you have in LeBron James. Now LeBron James is a point forward, if you want to say, in basketball terms. I mean he can run the point. You can run the offense through him uh, starting each play. And obviously, a point guard is traditionally that guy. And that may have something to do with this need. I don't understand the need to want to leave a championship caliber team that has a chance to get back to the NBA Finals for the fourth straight season. And quite honest with you, if you look at the Cavaliers' run in the last three years, the first year if, if Irving was healthy, they have an excellent shot at defeating the Warriors in that six-game series where the Warriors won the first time around. The Cavaliers did some unprecedented in the second 
meeting of the two, winning, coming back from a 3-1 deficit. You can't do that without Irving. He's, you know, goes down in Cleveland, in my opinion, as the most clutch player that any sport has had because he was able to hit that three to win the game. At the end of the ball game there for the for the Cavaliers in game seven, he had step back three will go down in history. That broke the 54-year drought in sports. And, you know, it's just it's, it's amazing when you think about everything that's going on. So I honestly flabbergasted by it. But in the same vein, if this is actual fact, and I believe it is, I truly do, I think the Cavaliers have no choice but to rate them because I don't think you can go into the season without mending fences completely and moving forward. With, and, you know, the goal is to win a championship. I don't care with or without them. Obviously, that doesn't change. The team chemistry changes without them. The, the big three is no longer the big three, and that's a big problem for the Cavaliers. And, Corey Altman, congratulations. You're the new GM. Uh, and uh, look what you get to deal with right off the bat. Welcome to LeBron land. And LeBron land is drama land. And this drama has been brought to you by uh, Kyrie Irving. But yeah, if every all the instances seems to be true, I think you have to find a way to move them. Right away, I thought maybe when the first came out, it was probably almost a done deal. But it was just uh, reporting on the circumstances that brought it to the light. And I honestly do believe the Cavaliers uh, really are under the gun in a sense that they're going to have to move them because I don't think LeBron James will want to have a player that he can't count on or a player that he believes in any longer uh, as his number one um, running mate. It's just, I don't think that can happen. Yeah. It's, it really is unfortunate that everywhere LeBron goes every year, there's some kind of drama that he doesn't necessarily do something to bring upon himself. I mean, it, it's just, I almost feel bad for the guy. I know you're when you're the best player in the NBA and a mega superstar on the basketball floor and in the business community that, drama's gonna find you but i mean i just feel bad for the guy because he doesn't i, I mean he didn't do anything to, to deserve this he made Kyrie. listen Kyrie Irving coming out of duke and being drafted by cleveland number one was already a very special player and i watched that first 10 and 11 games of duke the kid was special and the kid was pretty good pre-lebron james in cleveland but when lebron came back to cleveland Irving went from here to here. And like you said, you know, outside of maybe Golden State, once a player gets his taste of success for a couple years and stardom, and I think the shot last year that you mentioned elevated it, Irving wants to be the number one guy. Um, listen, like it, and it's not like LeBron's hogging the spotlight like he wants to. There are many games where you watch LeBron's deferring, passing the ball to Irving, and to the first quarter you're looking up being saying, LeBron, take more shots, stop passing so much. Like you mentioned, he had more shots than LeBron. I can understand why he wants to leave in the sense that, you know, he doesn't 
now in his career being elevated to a superstar, so to speak. He doesn't want to be second fiddle. No superstar does. Um, and I think, honestly, you know, I don't know if this is the case. I'm only speculating. But if the Cavaliers didn't win last year, I'm not sure Irving's coming out this year saying, I want to trade. I think once he got the title, it's it's more of, okay, well, I won my title. Now I want to go get me and see how far I can ele elevate myself. Um, I do agree with you. I think Cleveland has to trade Kyrie. Um, it may not be Altman's first decision because, you know, contract stuff. If you keep him so long, you can, you know, I don't know all the ins and outs of this contract and his deal and all that, but like you said, LeBron James, every year since he came to this league, has had one mission. It's not be the highest score. It's not be the most assist guy. It's win a, it's win a championship. Every time LeBron James steps on that court, it's, it's another building block to him getting to a championship. And at this stage in his career late, LeBron, not saying he would have put up with it in the past, but right now he will not put up with this at all. He wants a guy – he wants four other guys on the floor with him at the same time that has the same collective mindset. And that's fair for any championship player. Peyton Manning, John Elway, you know, Joe Montana, Derek Jeter, all the superstars, all the championship players want guys on the, on the same field going to battle with them that they know they're in it for the championship and not just a team. And I agree with you that if you keep LeBron or if you keep Kyrie on this team this year, it's going to shatter any chemistry they do have left, if there is any left. And you could have a pretty interesting summer, drama-wise, go into an absolute dumpster fire and be just a huge mess. Um, and you don't want that hanging over your heads when you're trying to win basketball games. So they have you know, roughly three or four months um, to trade Kyrie, and I don't think it's going to take very long to get suitors lined up as Irving's already possibly named some teams he'd like to go to. Um, and we'll see what the Cavs decide to do. But I agree with you. I do think they have to trade him before the season begins. Um, and I do think – and if I'm Altman, I'm going LeBron James saying – now, I'm not saying LeBron – where are you sending him? Because at the end of the day, that's Deion Gilbert Altman's decision. But this is foreseeably your might be your last year. I'm not saying LeBron's going to leave. I think that speculation is too soon. Could he leave? Yes. But I think there's a greater chance of him staying. So, you know, if there's two teams, Team A and Team B, proposed trades to the Cavs or Irving, did Obviously, LeBron's going to be consulted. LeBron, who who would you rather play with? Because as much we amaze over LeBron's physical gifts, his mental acumen of the game and player personnel is incredible. And that's why you saw Dante Jones brought back. And that's why you saw, you know, J.R. Smith brought back. When LeBron trusts you, you're in. But when he doesn't trust you, he wants a guy in there that he can't trust 
and that he knows will get the job done. And I wouldn't be surprised if LeBron sent back saying, well, Kyrie's a great player, but I'll take a guy a little lesser talent-wise that has the same goal in mind as myself and the team. Um, and I yeah, think Kyrie I has he's gone from hero in last year to eliminating – right now I compare Kyrie Irving to Edward Bell in the sense that he never – you know, it always just seemed to be some friction. You know, there's always some friction, and Bell ultimately wanted out. Um, they're not direct correlations, um, but for Cleveland in the year, he's gone from hero status in Cleveland to never buying a drink again to they will boo him every time he returns to the queue. Yeah, you know, that's an interesting thing. And it's sad. You know, and I, let me go on on record here about that. I agree with you. I know I, I can't blame any fan who is emotionally attached or as fans. That's what that's, you know, that's why the name comes about. We're emotionally attached to a team and to that city. And, uh, you know, it's part of our fabric. I don't care if it's a collegiate team or if it's a high school team or if it's a, a pro team you have a an attachment to it an emotional attachment so it means something to you i will go on and say that even when and i'll leave the possibility that the slight possibility that this they mend the fences and he's able to stay i'll give that i don't expect that i think 99.95% chance he's gone and it's just a matter of when it's not if but if the if the opportunity to mend fences and they choose to do that and they move forward, you can don't boo them. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you the truth of the matter. And when he returns to Cleveland, I understand the 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 emotions of it, but you don't boo. I don't know how to say this, but it's it's like, for example, Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning even though he was let go by the Colts and ended up in Denver. When he returned to Indianapolis, he wasn't booed. And the reason why is because he, he delivered him the championship and he was one of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL history, let alone Colts history. Even though Irving has not has that big of a track record as like a Peyton Manning, Irving delivered your first championship ever for the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he did hit the game-winning shots. Yeah. And he was part of this organization, you know, in the lean years and in the, you know, the return to the championship years with LeBron James. I personally believe that you can't boom on that level alone. I understand the emotional level always wins out. Look, I mean, that's just the way it works. Jim Tomey was booed every time he came back to Cleveland until he put a, a Cleveland Indians uniform back on. I didn't boo and, and then you may not have, but in generally speaking terms, the city of Cleveland or the fans of the Indians booed him every time he came back. And that's just the way it is in sports. And I, I expect him to boo. Personally, I would not boo uh, Irving. I'm disappointed in his uh, reaction and what he's chose to do. This organization or himself i think he's going to regret it three four five years from now because 
you know, you have the opportunity to just take over the reins, kind of like Tim Duncan did when he shared the the light with the the Admiral. You know, he had the uh, one of the best players in the NBA to teach him, and then he turned it over. And you know, and look at the championships that they won after you know Robinson left uh, San Antonio. So you know, it can't happen happen though i expect him to be booed every time he touches the ball mm-hmm. and i rather remember cleveland as the team that booed michael jordan every time he touched the ball <laughs> and because he beats you you know he's the opposition i rather boo i rather remember booing a team that beats you versus a player that played mm-hmm. for you that helped you win and helped you win a championship uh Disappointment. I totally get it. I get it. And I don't blame anyone who is emotionally attached and will do that. I'm fed up with it too. I think it's disgusting to see him put himself ahead of the team and the opportunity to win, especially when he has a you know a long-term contract mm-hmm. and made a commitment and now wants to you know, branch out on his own. I get it. I do understand it. We all face that in life. And you know, as a NBA player, you have a finite opportunity to make your own kind of in-grounds and your own name and your own brand. And uh, he wants that opportunity. And I and I, I do get it. But, uh, you know, when you get down to it, you almost have more respect for someone like uh, a Kevin Durant who left o- OKC to go chase the championship the Warriors and hopefully build a long-term championship run for them versus someone who has the opportunity to have the same type of scenario where he's at and other than for his own ego and for his own brand, choose to move on versus, uh, we don't know all the ins and outs, but I've listened to Irving uh, speak during the season, uh, I listened to the road tripping podcast with RJ and, and Channing from the Cavaliers. And if you haven't listened to that, I the download or listen to it because it gives you more than insight into the persons. And Irving was the number one guest on that show. Matter of fact, he was considered the original. And the reason was is because he was on the first show. He was on the second show. He was on like the fifth show. He was on many of the, the episodes that they had. And for him now to kind of stretch his own yoins and try something new, I'm disappointed in it, and it's not good. I think the Cavaliers have no choice but trade him. And, but you have to trade him for something of value. You don't have to just trade him to trade him. And if Minnesota is the team that you're looking for, then I want Wiggins back. I'm not making a trade without a legitimate player coming back. And, you know, you're not – it's not just first-round draft picks I want. I want a legitimate NBA player who has upsides for the next eight to ten years like like Irving has. Right now, of all the teams they're talking about, Minnesota makes the most sense. And I have no problem with that. If Minnesota is willing to give up Wiggins, which I'm not sure they will, but that's that's – the talks begin just like when love was uh wanting to get out of minnesota and come to cleveland you know minnesota for, mm-hmm. always said all right it starts with wiggins once mm-hmm. we get that through we'll we'll go forward from there and you know and the trade was finally made so 
if I'm the Cavaliers, I'm saying the exact same thing. If you want Irving, it starts with Wiggins. And you have to get by you for Kyrie Irving. You can't just give him away to make room. I think bringing in Rose is a nice insurance uh, card to have. I think uh, Rose is definitely a NBA player. I know he had this knee injuries. I know he's on a coming off the Knicks and everything else, but uh, he's only 28 years old. He can score, you know, 18 to 20 points a game. He can help this Cavaliers team in the long run if you don't have Irving full time. Wait and see exactly what happens in the long run, and I'll let the Cavaliers, Altman, and and Irving all figure this all out in the long term, and we'll talk about it as it goes on. But of all the trade talks they're talking about, uh, basically, I want to find out how realistic um, Minnesota is, and if they are, I want Wiggins. Simple as that. It may be the most odd career start for one player to be traded you know, twice in uh, three years and be the number one overall pick as uh, Andrew Wiggins may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if I'm trading a number one overall pick and a all-star and a guy who's been to three championships in a row and who can score 25 points a game, I want real value back. And right now, of all the names they're talking about, it starts with Wiggins for me. Yeah, I could see that. I, You know, obviously I could see Minnesota as a fit. But do you think if Wiggins comes here, he, he, he's going to want the ball in his hands a lot? I, I think he's going to be – I think he's smart enough and young enough still to be influenced by LeBron, LeBron James okay. and go under his wings and learn and have that opportunity. And look, who knows what the future holds? I don't know where the Cavaliers will go with this. Uh, Altman, you know, the new GM, will have to figure this all out. And see if he can mend fences first. And if you can't, then you have to be the realistic in, in what opportunities you have. Uh, LeBron's keeping his hands out of the pie right now. For now. Saying this is up to the Cavaliers to figure it out and give him credit for that. And it makes it a little difficult, but in the same vein, it probably makes it a little easier too. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of glad about that. You know, as we talked about the drama behind LeBron James before, that. I want to say not self-induced, but it's part of his upbringing. Mm-hmm. You know, he had a lot of drama in his life early on. You know, he had a unstable family situation. He ended up, you know, basically helping raised by a basketball coach, you know, in Denbright and stuff like that. And also, you know, finding uh, friends that that were really lifetime friends that he's trusted his entire life, you know, from uh, probably being 13, 14, 15 years old, all the way up to today. And you can see that connection he has with those, his inner circle. So I think he's just, you know, and maybe just a, a product of the way of the life that he has had and the way he works best and how he, internalizes and motivates himself uh you know everybody's a little different and you know you and i cannot put ourselves into the situation that he grew up in akron and you know we both came from different type of lifestyles and i'm not saying you know 
you have to live a hard life to become great because you don't. You can live a good life and become great. You can live a hard life and become great. You can live a hard life and struggle. Yep. And, you know, all those things happen in life. But I, you know, give James credit for what he's achieved both on and off the court and how he's raised himself as a young man in the NBA from the age 18 until today and what he has achieved and, and the numbers that he's put up and what he will achieve still in the future. So I honestly do believe a lot of that drama, even though it may seem self-induced or, you know, internalized at times, I honestly do believe it's just a part of his makeup. You know, he didn't have the same opportunities as a young man to uh, maybe have a father that was really in his life or didn't have a, a man's role model. He had his, you know, his mother and, and others throughout his life. And uh, he's done well for himself. I mean, he has his own family. He does a great job. He takes care of them. Yeah, he's a multimillionaire. Yes, he has uh, his shoes and, you know, his lines and his endorsements. And, hey, all the credit in the world, he's earned every opportunity he's gotten. And I'm not saying he won the uh, genetic lottery because it takes more than just a genetic lottery to play basketball. It takes mm-hmm. will and determination and, and a lot of work in, in, on the courts, you know, and on a hardwood and in the gym to get it done. And he's done that. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to uh, take any credit away from him from that. But I do honestly believe that drama that he has around him is just part of his makeup. It's part of his DNA. It's, it's how he motivates himself. It's how he trusts people, how they handle the drama around him. And, you know, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I honestly do believe long-term the Cavaliers are going to have to uh, move Kyrie or unless they – there's this Mia Copa where he comes back and he really works it out with not just LeBron James and the coaching staff and the front office, but the entire team. Because I think they will bring him back. I think his teammates would bring him back open arms. Mm-hmm. I believe that he would have to, you know, actually kind of make up to the city of Cleveland and to its fans again. And that's a difficult thing to do. Yes. It can be done. I just don't expect it to be done. I, I really do expect a trade to happen. And if I'm the Cavaliers, I'm not giving him away. If that means I have to wait till training camp, yep. if that means I have to get into the first – six weeks of the season, or even, you know, I know I don't want to drag it out, but if I have to, I will, because I will, as uh, far as I'm concerned, he's under contract for two more years. And if I have to drag my feet and pull, you know, pull him along, along the way, which I don't think he will. I think he's too much of a professional for that to happen. But in the same vein, uh, I won't, I think the Cavaliers have the upper hand against the other teams that are going to be bidding for him because he is under control. It's kind of like a baseball thing. Mm-hmm. You're not you're not running Kyrie Irving. You're getting a All Star, so fair value. You know, it's up to the Cavaliers to get that value. And like I said, my value starts high, and my value starts in Minnesota with Wiggins, and then I work at the other teams to see what exactly happened, or a three way trade, or whatever the case may be. But that's where it has to begin and end, in my opinion, as. Uh, I think the Cavaliers uh, this offseason has dropped the ball completely from the Griffin mm-hmm. to 
not able to find a GM, have a GM turn you down, you know, and and then ending up with your third string quarterback as your GM in yep. Altman. And I'm I'm not trying to say he's not talented and doesn't have the opportunity to learn because he's been in the organization. And just like anybody else, you give you give somebody an opportunity, uh, they're going to take it. Why not? I, I totally understand that. I know if I was given an opportunity to do certain things, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to do it. And so would you. And so would anybody who's listening to this. So, uh, like I said, now it's up to Co- Cody Altman to prove himself. Kyrie to show what his value is. And, you know, the Cavaliers to move forward from here. But, yeah, I, I just don't see how Irving stays with the Cavaliers long term. It's just, in my opinion, that that door has now been uh, shut. And we have to move forward. As we got to do with this podcast, yes. Anthony. Yes. It's to... Uh, Raising the white flag last week. Well, I was, I will admit, the past week, last week, I came on and I was waving my white towel and I said, if I ever had to watch Brian Shaw again, I'd vomit. And I will say this, I, I held it back. I didn't get sick over the week. Um, but every time I heard Brian Shaw come into the game, I I, I cringed a little bit. Yeah, I did. I got a <laughs> my stomach started getting a little weird. I had to take an antacid. Um, no, it's, and I it's, was hearing him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know I'm a I'm a Shaw guy. I yes, told you, you that are. before. You are a Shaw guy. Uh, uh, I'm still not. I still don't trust him. Um, listen. Last week at this time, I said they were done, and I said it, it, it and I was very vehemently about it. Um, am I ready to say that? Am I ready to go back on Kansas City wins a division? No, but uh, you could look at this one of two ways, and I was doing that uh, throughout so far the seven-game win streak. Which, by the way, is so much nicer than watching the 30 and 65 Giants walk off against you two games in a row. Um, it, Amen to that. We had a stretch in June against Minnesota and Baltimore where we came out and went 6-1, and 7-1 on that road trip and just absolutely blew the doors off those teams. I mean, just bludgeoned them to death. Uh, had really good starting pitching. Um, and we all thought him, myself included, we were turning a corner. We found that spark. It was time to go. They woke up. Finally, the offense is going. They're producing like we're supposed to. And then you get to the all-star break and your best RBI hitter goes down. And you struggle after that. You go right back into some funks where you're not hitting the ball. And it would seem to be a blip on the radar. And then, and then as we started this, win streak um i was a little cautious to begin with i was like well it's you know it's the blue jays and the reds and you know now the angels three not very good teams um so it could just be a you know hey a lucky stretch uh but i'm gonna change my tune tonight and i'm not gonna retract what i said last week about losing division because i i'm not sure about that yet because i think Dayton Moore and Kansas City have something up their sleeve trade-wise. But we talked in March. 
our first or second podcast. And we were sitting here thinking 95, 96 wins. We're going to take the division by storm. And, and like, you know, in baseball, it's not played on paper and it's played on on the field. And we didn't get off the start. We And we kept saying, you know, we got to find the identity. We got to find the identity. We we don't have Napoli. We don't have Davis, two big vocal leaders. Um, and then when we were recording during the Texas game, when they were about to lose their fourth in a row, which they came back, we said they needed win, a walk-off win, a big comeback win to get them going. And they beat Texas. They won the series. But after that, they felt they went flat again. Um, and, listen, I don't know what happened behind closed doors. Um, but this seven-game win streak right here, two things. One, they're finally winning at home. And that's something we talked about all year. They're finally winning at home. And two, well, three things, actually. Two, I think the identity has been found. And it wasn't something they needed to create. It wasn't something they lost. It was just, you know, the way the ball bounced this year. Um, they found their identity last year. And I think it symbolized and rallied together. Next man up, you know, your boy Santana last week, who I ripped. And I'll say this. I'll give credit where credit is due. Ryan Shaw had three really good appearances this week. And they were three high-leverage situations where I said I don't want him ever pitching them again. And that's why Terry Frank kind of managing the Cleveland Indians and has a couple worse series. And I'm recording a podcast, and I don't have World Series championships in my hands. So – he knows his players more than I do. I I think the identity has been found. I also think they looked themselves in the mirror as a man, and they said this is not acceptable. And I'm not saying they looked themselves in the mirror and were like, well, we can't just sneak into the vision. We're meant to go far. Every team wants to win the World Series. But they have a different focus. It's because Kansas City's winning every game. Heck. If that's what it takes for this team to keep focused, I hope Kansas City goes on a 40-game win streak. Because it – and I I talked to this in April and May when we were just treading water and like we're stuck in quicksand, like we couldn't get going. When the division is not taken off and you're chasing teams like Minnesota and at that time the struggling Royals, your focus is not there. It, it's human nature. I'm not making excuses. It's unacceptable. But I know from personal experience, when you're playing a team that's not very good, I mean, when I played, we were down 14-2 to two to a 0-16 team. And we came back and won. So your focus is not going to be there when, you're, when you know you're more talented than a Minnesota or Kansas City. Um, and listen – I think Kansas City winning eight games in a row right now is the best thing that could happen to the Indians. It, it gets them focused. It, it, it has them dialed in. It makes them – they can't take a day off. They got to respect every opponent like Francona stresses. And listen, if Kansas City wants to peak July 27th, okay. Because it really – it's all about late August, September, what happens. You've been saying that all year. You know, let's get to August, September in the position, and we'll take off. And if I don't think Kansas City 
is good enough to go on a stretch with the Dodgers. I, I, it, I think they're peaking right now. And that could be very good for the Indians. Um, and right now, would you go out and make a big trade if you're if you were Chris Antonetti? Or you ride with what you got? Well, well let's put it this way. No, I'm not going to ride with what I got because I think you can always improve your team. Well, yeah, you can. Well, no, no. What I mean by that is there's opportunities that may pre- present itself that you have to pursue. And that brings me to the point that I, I wanted to get to. And uh, I'll, I'll get back to my thoughts on mm-hmm. the Indians here in a second. But let's get to that thought about improving the team. The latest rumor to, uh, to hit the Indians in the trade market is the left-handed pitcher. A starting pitcher? And for the bullpen. For the bullpen. If his name begins with Z and rhymes with no, it's not. written, I'm no. going to jump the then. It's not him. You, yeah, no, no, it's not him. But it's, it's actually a pretty quality name and a guy a, who I think would help the Indians tremendously. Right. He's a lefty. I, let me tell you this. It's Justin Wilson. I would love that. I would oh love my that. gosh, yes. I would absolutely love that. You pair him with Miller in the back end. Good night. Send it over. The ball game is over. It, 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 that would be incredible. That would be no more Brian Shaw late in the game. And I don't have to vomit. <laughs> I don't have to vomit. That would that that could be the Andrew Miller trade of last year. It's not exactly. Because Texas went out it's last not as big, It's not as big as Miller is from last year, meaning uh, you're not getting the number one oh, reliever in baseball because you already that's have big. him. Uh, but you know, but this, what, is, what it does is anytime you can strengthen your bullpen the second half of the season, I'm 100% for it. Uh, you look what Kansas City did in the trades that they made. You look what New York did in the trades they made. I like Kansas City. Uh, you know, they're, they're so, exactly. And, you know, you look at what trades have been going on in Major League Baseball. Yeah, a few hit, uh, you know, batters have been Frazier and stuff for, you know, need, you know, scenarios. But the bottom line is they wanted the pitching, you know, and that's what matters. You know, Robinson going back to the Yankees is huge. You know, that mm-hmm. is, I mean, and, you know, I still think the, if there's a place for Sonny Gray to fit, it's going to be the Yankees. They have yeah. the they have the chips. They have the players to offer. You know, they can offer a Clint Frazier. They can offer a pitcher in the minor leagues and land him. I I, I totally get it. Go for maybe their top prospect in the Yankees organization, and you know that will help bring a a, a Sonny Gray who would do trick for, for them to help their their starting rotation. You know. I was concerned. I'm still concerned about the Indians' rotation, but you know, and there's only been one start for Salazar. However, uh, what he did at at a, I believe Triple A in his last start, and then up here, uh, what you know, two hits and six innings, and it was just lights out. I mean, it was the Salazar we've seen in the past. I mean, I'm not ready to. Uh, to hand them over and say, here we go, we got our number three starter. But it, it really strengthens your your rotation tremendously to have a pitcher who can go deep into a ball game right now and save your bullpen. And if you can add a bullpen who 
has the experience and who has the numbers that Wilson brings to the table, if you're the Indians, you have to do it. The Now, one of the things that are going on with the Tigers and this is going to be the interesting to see how they tie this in if they do it with Justin Wilson or not, is the Tigers have been basically saying to all the teams that have acquired about their players is, yes, he's available, but you also must take such and such with that. Mm-hmm. They want to obviously dump some of their contracts. Now, who may be part of a second name in that trade from the, from the Tigers to the Indians? I don't know. I'm not sure the Indians are interested in anybody on that on the Tigers that would actually help the 25-man roster the Indians have, to be quite honest with you. I got an idea. Sure. And it's not going to happen. It's just me. No, I understand. Yeah. I would, I would see what they want for Jose Iglesias also. Well, he, like I said, you know, they're looking you to shake You Iglesias at second, Ramirez back at third, or flip-flop Ramirez and Iglesias, whatever you want to do. And, and then when Kipnis comes back, you got your utility guy. Yeah, well, right Kipnis there. is going to be your second baseman. He's, you know, he uh, he's going to be ready to come off the DL here probably within a week. Jason Kipnis' second base is as useful as my yeah. soccer right here. It's, it's – it. Uh, again, we're, we're, we're going to see different. We're going to see different lighters on this. Uh, uh, like like Shaw, I'm a I'm a Kipnis guy and have oh, been from the day he's came up to Cleveland. Oh God! And uh, look, I said it last week, and I'll say it again now. He is a tradable person, meaning because you have a Ramirez to play at second base, and you can make a third base. In the future, you know, and I think maybe this offseason that may happen. I don't think it'll happen during the season. No, anything's possible. I don't, I won't say it can't happen. I just don't expect that to happen. I really think uh, Kipnis will be back in playing second base here in a week. Uh, supposedly, he was going to run the bases. I was listening to the game today. He was going to run the bases at the end of the game. And then uh, Saturday, he's DH in at AAA. And then he's going to play. I think Sunday at second base, and it wouldn't shock me if sometime next week he's back with the Indians. If everything goes as planned, he doesn't have a setback. And, you know, that most likely will be the scenario that you'll see. And is working his way back. He may be a week or two behind Kipnis in a sense of returning to the roster, but they're saying he's uh, turned a corner too. Yeah, he's, And I he's think they plan on him. Running the bases, he's doing some straight run, straight line running. I heard mm-hmm. uh, listening to the game today, and they're saying that he is not far behind neither. So it wouldn't shock me if both those two players are back. Uh, Let's say in the next seven to ten days at the latest, and you know, and the Indians will have to make some moves, obviously. But I, again, it's not the end of the world if it happens because you have, you know, a roster that is there's players that you can send down, you know, obviously your will be going down, you know, and others they'll make moves. Mm-hmm. And right now you got a six man starting rotation and that's not going to stay that way. So one no. of the guys in the rotation is going to go to the bullpen and today outing makes Bauer, not that person. No. And, he- may, and, and, you know, 
So we'll have to wait and see. I mean, anything's possible. Like I said, I think Salazar's going to be a starter. They're going to make him a starter. Yeah, they. And then you like you have that three-headed monster type scenario, but we'll wait and see. Now, I think Clevenger is the most likely candidate because yeah. he's young and he did it last year. And you know, I can even see them sending him down for two weeks just because they could. Mm-hmm. And, and get, getting him starts at AAA and then bringing him back as a reliever or sending him down to work in the bullpen for a week. Not necessarily as even, you know, even, not as a punishment, more of as a numbers game because you have to make certain moves at certain times. And it wouldn't shock me that he would be back, you know, very quickly. It's just one of those things where sometimes mm-hmm. you have to make these moves just to activate players and bring them back onto your roster. Listen, I, I, I know Clevenger up until his last start had six or seven straight starts where his ERA was sub two or sub whatever it was. He was impressive. Fantastic. I agree. He he pitched really well, but you're now getting to August. And if anybody has looked at the Indians August schedule, it's, it, it's a meat grinder. I mean, 75% of your games are New York or Boston, New York and Tampa Bay and throwing uh, Kansas city for uh, two series. So this, this month right here will determine the fate of the Indians this year. And is Tomlin a better option than Clevenger? I don't know. Maybe. But maybe. maybe. Who knows? And as bad as Bauer can look some games, and as, as soon as you're ready to say, ship him to the bullpen, we're going to keep him there, he comes out, and he goes eight innings, one run, and, and it's incredible. Yeah, we've got like I 115 think, pitches today or something like and that. And I think you got to keep Tomlin and Bauer in the rotation right now because they have the experience and they're, and they're stoppers. When the Indies needed a key start, was it Josh Tomlin who got this win streak started? Yeah. Hey, you know, getting back to that real quickly, you know, last week we were talking about this, and I, I'm a firm uh, believer in this, and, and I, I mentioned it to you last week. I said, this team needs a uh, a home run, a three run homer, or something like that to win a ball game. Yeah, and Lindor came through, and I said, and I, I, you know, those who follow me on Twitter, uh, seen that right away. I put out, this is going to be the start of a win streak. Not that I'm a no Tradamus great predictor. Huh? Yeah, not yeah. anything like that. But, uh, that's what that's how baseball works. And then if you've seen the second walk-off the other day with the uh, the grand slam from Incarcion. So that really you know, this team, to me. Yeah, and then that that's that's the key though. You have to build on these. This is that identity we were talking about. Mm-hmm. The return of Tito to the dugout and bringing some calm to the uh, waters that the Indians were in has made a difference too. And knowing that he's back and he's at the helm and you know he's you know, for all, you know, cases, they're pretty much healthy again and hopefully will continue to be and won't, uh, sorry for the pun, miss a beat and, mm-hmm. you know, continue on, you know, leading this uh, this organization on the field because uh, he's a huge part of this, this resurgence of the Indians in the last four years. Uh, a guy I've, I've always loved, you know, 20 years ago. And I'm so happy that he's with the Indians. And uh, I honestly think as long as he's in the dugout, we're always going to have an opportunity 
to uh, compete. And right now, I think we're seeing that that materialize. I think you're seeing the Indians find their identity, but who they want to be and what mm-hmm. they want to achieve. And these games coming up against Kansas City in the next month are going to be huge. Obviously, anything in division will be. I think Minnesota is going to start waning, and we're seeing that now. Yeah, they're five and a half. Back. I think they made a nice move. I think they made a real nice move with mm-hmm. the pickup. Uh, was it from San Diego, I believe? The pitcher. Yeah, they got and, uh, Garcia uh, from the Braves, I know, and I don't know who else they got. Braves, that's right. Braves, yep. yeah, they, they got the guys from the Braves. Uh, and I thought that was a great pickup for them. But I still don't think they have the ability to to hang for 162 games this year. And I think they're going to start seeing them wane. And we may be in mm-hmm. the process of seeing that now. Yeah. But Kansas City's in the process. They've already made their move uh, to bolster their bullpen, and they did a nice job. Very nice job. And in the process, uh, they're not going away. That's what we talked about last week in, in the last few weeks. You let a team like that hang around, that's the last team you want to see as a wild card team. That's the last team you want to see compete for you for a mm-hmm. divisional title because they've been there. They know what they want to yep. do. And this is kind of like the last hurrah. And because a lot of these players will probably be moving on next year through free agency or being traded and they're going to be starting over. So I don't blame Kansas City for going for it. Hey, the Indians left the door open and you got you got to run through it when, when, when a team does that. Now the Indians have to respond, and this past week they have. And I think this uh, win streak has to continue, not in the sense of 13, 14, 15 in a row. What I'm talking about is you continue to win series. You win, you know, you have seven games in a week, you win five. This weekend series you know? is a must win. You got to take care of Chicago. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Any, any divisional game, mm-hmm. especially Chicago, who already made their decision to sell. Mm-hmm. And they've made even more trades in the last uh, 24 hours. I mean, they yep. just keep training every player they had away. And that's what you do, though. They're making the correct decision. they got a lot of young talent coming their way. And they're going to have an opportunity to compete here in the next two or three seasons when that, that talent can bring in some veterans in the future. I mean, the White Sox absolutely made the correct move. And I give them a lot mm-hmm. of credit for what they, what they have done. And, you know, I think Minnesota wanted to go that direction and in the process because yep. the Indians left the door open and they responded they, that they had to make the move they did, did they did for the pitcher. So, mm-hmm. you know, it makes total sense. And that's like the Yankees. The Yankees were supposed to be a year away. The Yankees now have this opportunity. They have all these young blue chippers in their organization. You see them coming up and, you know, they made some really great trades last year mm-hmm. with the Cubs and the Indians. They acquired a lot of talent, and they're going to have an opportunity here to acquire more talent because I really think they're going to get uh, – you know, they're not done. I honestly think if they can, add, believe it or not, add another arm to that bullpen, which is outrageous right now, they'll do it. And I honestly do believe that they're the best team to land Sonny Gray. I've been saying that they just have too many – they got too many chips and that they have to make this move for their future too. Uh, so it's a, it's a combination is you got to find best fit. And I honestly do believe the Yankees are best fit for Sidney gray. I think the Indians landing spot for him. Uh, I just don't think the Indians in the long term decided that they have enough pitching on the starting rotation to get through the season. And if they can add it, an arm to the bullpen and let's say it is Wilson, 
that would make a huge that difference be, in the stretch runs. That would, and they need to. They need to make a move like that. Now, look, they may get bring in a Brian Geyer type move, mm-hmm. someone you didn't think about, you never really knew about, but was make a big contribution mm-hmm. either off the bench or as a spot starter type scenario because of injuries. I mean that 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 move may may happen just like last year with uh, with Geyer and what a nice move that was you know with Tampa Bay to pick him up so it wouldn't shock me if it's a middle infielder or if it's an outfielder that they they think is just too good of a stick that and it doesn't have to happen deadline it could happen in August I think you're going to see more bats move in August and then you see the pitchers move right now this trading deadline coming up here in a few days. Yeah, and going back to Wilson, could you imagine the way Frank Conda last year used his bullpen with a knock on wood, a full complement of starting healthy players in a best of five or best of seven game series? You're telling your starter and your offense, get us the lead through five, through five and a third, and then Look he turned it over to year. Miller, Wilson, Allen, and Shaw can come in here and there because Tito will use them. I mean, that that gives you, say you're winning after five, you go Wilson, you go Shaw, Wilson for two, then Cody Allen. By the way, you didn't use Andrew Miller. He's rested for the second game, and you throw him for it is. The the possibilities of that are endless, and that would take a lot of pressure off the starters because when it when the postseason comes, it ramps up, and I think it would benefit Salazar the most. All he knows in the back of his mind: go out and throw five really good innings because as a third starter in the playoffs, that's all you got to do. And if the Indians would have had that last year, they got a big ass ring on their finger. Oh, I don't disagree. You know, the Indians in the so, in right now, look, if they could strengthen a bullpen and oh, if it's bullpen, that would be a huge, huge addition to this oh, team. Oh man. And the, uh, hey, look, and if I had Francona in the dugout handling the, the bullpen, oh, I'd feel oh even better about it. So, you know, look at it that way. Hey, I think what do we I want to touch on two things. Yeah, go I want to touch on two points. The job Zach McAllister did this week, incredible. He used to be a guy where it would be, he's going to be a one-pitch pitcher, and it's going to be right down Broadway. And he's gotten away from being one-pitch pitcher. He's starting to use his off-speed stuff more. But a couple nights ago, he came in a high-leverage situation, and he threw 13 straight pitches, 13 all, all above 95, but for – he was locating them up, down, inside, out. I mean, it, it was pain in the corners. And that's really good to see because, like, like you never know in the playoffs in October, you might need a bullpen game. And Shaw, or Shaw, you got me saying his blessed name, <laughs> Otero and McAllister, you know, those are guys that have been through the fire. And Danny Otero this week, Got some big outs against Pujols. Bases loaded. I mean, that was big time. Now are flexing their muscle, not only starting-wise, offensively, 
and bullpen-wise. And I talked about it at the beginning of the year where Encarnacion hit a home run and he'd be happy, but not show a lot of emotion. If you see the highlight again from the home plate angle looking down the third baseline, watch Lindor celebration with that was fun that there is a team that knows we're really good if we play the game the right way and i tell you what i don't know what to say about this kid but bradley zimmer is just absolutely incredible and and i get he's very talented and he's going to have peaks and valleys. Last week he had a a down weekend. You know, a couple of days ago in the seven-run lead we blew, he had a a play that, yeah, you probably want to take it on the hop, but you're a rookie. And it's easy for a rookie like we saw last year with Nate when he makes the bad play to hang his head and it starts unraveling for there. But how many hits this, this homestand did he have in the clutch? I mean – this team has struggled all year with Rogers corner position, all year in clutch situations, and you got a rookie who makes beautiful adjustments coming through in the clutch. Another thing I want to touch on, Fal, before I let you take over, the Indians last year from the seventh inning on were dominant. And they're starting to become that dominant team again from the seventh inning on. Winning games, listen, it doesn't always need to take a walk-off. Winning in the seventh, Miller and Allen went in the eighth, and we're starting to see that. You should win the series this week, and I'm not saying you're going to sweep and win 10 in a row, but, boy, that would be nice. But if you could take two or three going to Boston, you're making me feel a whole well, lot better. Safe. You're making me feel a whole lot better on the beach next week knowing that I don't really have to be glued by my phone and I could come back at night and feel okay about this team because, I mean, last week I didn't feel good about this team at all. They were lost. They were treading water. They looked dead in the water. You know, it's like last year's team. Whenever they looked dead in the water in the regular season or the postseason, they just flipped that switch. And it and it going to go on a Dodger tear right now. But they're finally playing like a team that we all thought they could be like. And, and I said all year to people that I know, I said, this team's not fun to watch. They weren't fun to watch. They weren't getting guys on. They weren't getting them over. They weren't getting them in. But now they're fun. And you can see they're all having fun together. And everybody is producing, including Tim's favorite player, his most valuable first baseman, Carlos Santana, who I think after this podcast, Tim might send his weekly paycheck to Dolan to say, resign this guy. <laughs> Because that's where my checks go. I guess I got to get on these players more often. When I can get on them and come through, don't they? My cousin said, if I complain, last year in the postseason, I complained about Kittness every up-out. I didn't like him. Every time I complained, he produced. Tim, if it takes you bitching about, excuse my language, about Santana and me ripping Brian Shaw for this team to win – by golly, I will do it every night if I have to. Well, get on that bandwagon. Get on because that, that school. Let's start, and, and let's start complaining. Let's start ripping these guys. You know what? I want to get this to, <laughs> and I want to get off my chest, and I'm fired up right now. And you got me going for a vacation. Damn you, Tim. 
But I'm sick and tired of the the notation that if you're a fan, you can't criticize your team. You and I watch or listen or track this team every single night or day. Last night, we're watching until wee hours in the morning, and we're coming back at noon for a nooner. And you and I are there every day. You and I, whether it's right or wrong, misplaced or well-placed, we have a right to criticize. But I don't want to focus on the negatives. We're 55 and 45. We've won seven in a row. We won all seven at home. We're rolling now. We're two games up in the division. To the girl that asked about what my Facebook status means, it means we're 61 games away from another October member. That would be back-to-back playoff appearances at the best corner in baseball for the first time since 2001. Sounds good time to me. Ago. You know, hey, yeah. criticism is a good thing. Yes. Criticism, creative criticism is a wonderful thing. And matter of fact, I'll uh, here's a, our little plug here. If you're downloading this through iTunes, please rate and review us. And you can uh, creative uh, review us and criticize us any way you want. And I, I have no problem with it. And it would be uh, very important to both of us if you would uh, – rate and review our podcast because the more ratings and reviews we get, the higher we go up on the list for people who search for podcasts from Northeast Ohio or radio MVP, it shows up on iTunes. So it would be uh, great if you would do that as uh, we continue. Someone with criticism, criticism is part of life and a lot of it's creative and it's correct. I have no problem with it when it's unfair criticism. Uh, that's where I uh, draw the line on anything. And, yep. but no, I think you learn most from criticism. And I tell you what, my criticism of uh, Santana still stays the same. I'm thrilled that he's he's bounced back this week and has uh, found a little power streak and has hit the gaps and has got on base. Mm-hmm. The Indians need that bat. The yep. Indians absolutely need that bat. And that, without that bat, they're going to be struggling again so it's yep. very important uh Christian has been a nice addition this year and what he is going again going going you can see when the temperature rises his bat rises too and it's, it's kind of fun to see uh i and michael brantley too, looks you, really good yeah and i and i say this before you know when players are injured you don't see the full player uh when they're not injured you do and you know we've seen both chisholm hall and Kipnis go through ups and downs with injuries in their career with the Indians. And when they've been both healthy, they've both been very productive for the Indians offensively. Uh, and I d- definitely know if you have Kipnis at second and Ramirez at third, you're a better team than mm-hmm. just Ramirez at second and yeah. Ushella or Gonzalez yeah. or whoever else you may put at third base because it just doesn't work. So you need Kipnis back this year, a healthy uh, Kipnis who can – produce in the lineup and get on base, steal some bases when opportunities arise and uh, and be an RBI bat that we know he can be a guy. He can, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously this year he won't drive in 80 runs cause he just doesn't, won't get the at bats, but he's capable of that. And he's done it in the past and the occasional home run would be very important part of this team. And uh, you know, Hey, Austin, maybe we get another uh, late inning home run and, and continue the streak going. And uh, it's going to be important. Maybe that monster will become a, 
a little kitten this weekend for the Indians. Maybe they'll play a little little bounce right. ball off of it. You know, anything's possible. Right. And uh, keep that look, mojo rolling. Anytime you play another first first place teams, it's important to d- demonstrate what you can do and to uh, be authoritative. And I think the Indians need to do that this weekend in Boston. And like you said, they got New York coming up. They got Kansas City. They got all big games the rest of the way through. Hey, too. And mm-hmm. that's, it doesn't matter who you're playing. They're all big from this yep. point on. Yep. Uh, you're not, you're going down to the last two months of the regular Playoff season. Mindset. Yeah. Like you mentioned, 61 games basically is the magic 61 number. 61 is the magic number. I'm updating every day on my Facebook page. It's a long way to go, but you got to start at 162 to start the season. So it goes from there. So, hey, uh, Anthony, it's been great. We'll get more into it. Hey, just to let you know, I think, uh, well, we're 29 days away from football season. Yeah, we're getting going. Uh, football is right around the corner. I know last week I was more eager for that to start. Um, but there's nothing a seven-game win streak can't uh, fix to calm the football craze. But, yeah, we're we're, I mean, we're less than a month away. I we know. are less than a month away. I know. The way from cutting off you and I awesome. and Matt in the booth. Up I'm and, looking forward. It's yep. C104, and we're going to have a great season uh, bringing high school football to the Valley uh, on Z104 with Matt, Matt Emps and myself and Anthony and all those back at the station that will help us along the way. So we're looking forward to that. And uh, we want your input. We're going to have a lot of high school football coming your way, not today, but in the future as we get closer to it. And uh, the NFL training camp's begun this week, and all the good things are going on. This is the time of the year where it gets ramped up, where every baseball game it gets a little bit more important as we go along. And uh, we get to uh, see another season come in sports, so it should be a lot of fun. Anthony, have a great night. My thanks. Uh, one last thought. Just uh, I hope when I get off the airplane on Saturday night that we're rolling along to what is hopefully a nine straight win. Hopefully when I'm on vacation, they keep this th- this train rolling. Um, you know, just looking forward to hopefully what is the start of a fun couple months, high school football-wise, college football-wise, um, and with the Indians. So We got it all. We got the Indians. Yep. We got the Penguins. We got the Buckeyes. We got the Irish. Yep. We get all the high school football to get into. Plus, we get the you know the Cavaliers drama. So uh, it should be a lot of fun. Cody Altman, the new GM for the Cavaliers. A lot good of things luck, going Cody. on in the world of sports. Yeah, good luck, Cody. <laughs> You're gonna need it. Welcome to the fire. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Hey, with that in mind, I want to thank Anthony for his time tonight and you for the downloads. We will talk to you next week. Anthony, have a great vacation down in Florida, and we will. See you next week here on Radio MVP. This has been episode 12. For Anthony, I'm Tim. Talk to you soon. Peace.